I can imagine you teaching like English in like UK, and you're wearing those like like a those like half sweaters, and you're like writing on chalkboards. <laughs> you kind of have that image on me. <clears throat> you kind of do. Just picture myself wearing a super tight one. <laughs> Look at how muscular I am when I'm like fifty. Keep kids. All right, so we're gonna write here and here. So basically, like in Inception, you'd be like, um, what's his name? Uh, the main character. Ah, oh, God, I'm stupid. What's his name? Um, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Yeah, you'd be his fake dad, aka Alfred. <laughs> Michael Caine. Yeah, you'll be Michael Caine. <laughs> I like how this. you go to Leonardo DiCaprio, but the character you're actually talking about is Michael Caine's character. Honestly, though. You have played the game for a long time. Don't you have anything else to do with your time? Gaming Blues Podcast. You, you know, I did my own intros while you were gone. So mm-hmm. I kind of uh, kind of practiced, you know? Yeah, it's good. it is good practice. There's no better practice than forcing yourself to talk all by yourself. Hell yeah. And that being said, welcome to this week's Gaming Blues Podcast, a show with two polar opposite gamers discussing the hottest video game news and Bicker about topics I come up during my commute. My name is Andy, as always, and with me to my was it my left or my right? So this guy right there. See, we can do do yes. things like this now. We're in video now. Darren McPhail, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm so excited. I was gonna I say, I, I feel like at least half the audience oh. will not appreciate that at all. They'll be like, "Why am I? What do you mean to my left or right?" Oh. <gasps> Yeah, but I'm back after two episodes of not being around. You missed my solo ramblings, which I had to do because you're a very busy person, Darren. No, I'm I'm around during your normal ramblings too. Do you even listen to them? Well, like you know, like right now you'll you'll ramble about something or like, you know, we'll be talking via messenger or something and you'll you'll find something to ramble on about. Something that upsets you. So everything upsets me. Like randomly, or you'll find out a random esport fact. Random esports fact. That's also a solo rambling because Darren is basically don't care about esports anymore. Why is that? I'm Darren? out of that game. Why? Uh, should I even go there? Maybe a good icebreaker. Just get us warmed up <laughs> for our talk of the day. Well, some of you might have known me in a past life as Darren from Action Esports. Do it in the voice. Um, Do it in the voice. I'm Darren from Action Esports. <laughs> And this is the Gaming Blues Podcast. <laughs> it actually worked. <laughs> yeah, right? I got it. I can, just bring, I can just summon that guy at any point with my YouTube voice. But uh, yeah, I did that for 15 months. And I was his boss, kind and of. That, yeah, you, I mean, we worked together on that. We had some good times. And I think I'm just really sick of esports after that. And saying that, we're coming up to Evo Weekend. Yep, the only esports that both of us actually still care about. And it's the only weekend where I will actively try to watch as much of it as I can. Whereas, like, with mm-hmm. Overwatch League or... I'm trying to think of, like, the major circuits. Like, even, like, the Tekken, like the Tekken tournament scene, like, the they World do their, their regular... Yeah, mm-hmm. for the World Tour uh, content. I don't really tune in that much. I usually watch, like, the occasional re-uploaded matches, but... Evo's, Evo's the big one. Evo's the go-to. Like, back when I think we were in university, we would actually always catch up on the CEOs, uh, Final Rounds, Winter Faust... Was it Winter Brawl? Yeah. Yeah, Winter Brawl. Frosty Faustings, <clears throat> back when they still did it, the Ultimate Gaming Fighting Tournament or something. Uh, what am I missing? 
Final round. No, I already did that. CEO final round. Hmm. Oh, NorCal, SoCal regionals. Those are big. Mm-hmm. And the only Vancouver uh, Canadian events, the Toru Ken. Um, so that kind of stuff. We used to catch up on a lot of that. Canada Cup. Oh yeah, that's the one. Not Tory Ken. Well, Canada Cup is still held held in Toronto. Occasionally Vancouver, but I find that you know Toronto is still the biggest overall esports destination for Canada. Oh, I mean, no. it is like the biggest the biggest city in Canada. So they have that going for them. I mean, we have a better Overwatch team. I guess that's something to be proud of. That's. Yeah, we have the better Canadian Overwatch team. You're totally right. Mm-hmm. Like the <laughs> Canadian favorites as Huxal and <laughs> and, st- <laughs> and I'm just trying no. to think of like their real like some of them have like way more Korean sounding names. I'm just trying to think of them off the top of my head. But uh, I think the one thing that I'll outside of Evo that I'll always watch is Co-op Cup for uh, Third Strike. Oh yeah, that's like the best. That's so much fun to watch. Japanese turn watching Third yeah. Strike. Japanese third strike is like a freaking art. Like that's they, like theater art to me. I love it. They somehow ca- managed to always bring several third strike cabinets to that co-op tournament, and the announcers still have hype, and they're still finding new texts like every tournament. Like it's always yeah. fresh. I love that. And that that might be one of the oldest ongoing like regular tournaments because third strike would have been what like ninety eight. 98 something like that yeah or it might have been it might have been like closer to 2000 but eat that melee fans it was around longer Ooh, I'm but editing uh that. I'm <laughs> <that>. <laughs> also you know what darren mm. i forgot to press record on the video <laughs> <laughs> oh, well at my. least we have the audio backup yeah it's gonna be a harsh edit isn't it <laughs> It'll just be like just ba 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 ba, and this is like saying technical issues in the background. Spe- will you will you fix that? Speaking of which, this podcast is available on major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Podbean, and eventually Stitcher. And since I'm doing video now because I got off my lazy ass, this will be finally up on YouTube and not just be audio vods. That means you can laugh in my face while we talk. And those of you who may know me from the Gaming Pilgrimage, you can find this podcast on there in playlist form. Oh, I actually got got around doing that. No, I'll do it tonight. Fuck. (laughs) By the time people are listening to this, it will be done. By the time I bother to upload this, it will be live. Anyway. I actually meant to ask you, since we're on this big tangent about Evo. Hello. Is there any particular game that you're really excited to see at Evo, like in terms of like the actual tournaments, and not regarding re- potential releases, right? Just the what kind of game? No, just like purely like spectating. Like, what are you excited to watch? Like, what's the big, or not even the big, but like mm-hmm. what's the, like a title there that you're like, I want to catch as much of this as I can. This might sound out of left field, but here's my top three, going from like third to first. Third is Tekken. Oh, because of all the tournaments I saw leading up to Tekken, including like the ones like overseas, Nii is just wrecking everybody with Steve. Like literally nobody can touch him right now. So if all the stars align, it might be another Korean fest. I'm hoping USA can turn up tables like last year when um, little Majin uh, Majin? went insane. Yeah, he brought it last year. And if JDCR wins with Armor King, that'd be also hype. Like, there's a lot of killers that 
at this EVO, especially for this year, because season two's been out for so long, everyone knows like mm-hmm. all the good tech. And right now the popularity is Geese and Kasumi is like the forefront for like the most played characters. So we're at an interesting place, but at the same time, I think, you know, the consistent Koreans are still con- consistent. So it might... Koreans are consistent. Except for me. Um, that being said, it might be super hype, but at the same time, I don't like seeing tournaments where it's always the same winners kind of thing. I like yeah. seeing like, you know, dark horses here. <laughs> Melee! <laughs> oh, I got it. Sorry, do. I had a... I had a uh, asthma okay. attack. Number two being Samurai Showdown. Yeah, I'm excited to see that too. New game. Um, anyone, anyone could win. Although Justin Wong's been winning most of the terms that he's at by laming it out. Laming it out. Can. Oh my god, tam tam it up. I mean, that's what he's kind of known for, though, right? Yeah. Um, and this game like definitely rewards being defensive and punishing silly offensive mistakes. Which is the worst game for me because I'm an idiot. I just like to play rushdown and press all the buttons. And you should know. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of experience with that. Um, so what are you most excited for then? Soul Calibur Six, actually. Really? Why? Because, the I mean, you and I played Soul Calibur, Calibur before on our own. Yep, and I, I, I ruined Soul Calibur for everyone. And I think that game... While not the ha, like doesn't have as much exposure as the other mainstream games because it's it's still relatively new, and I think the only reason that kept it back from being more exposed is like it just came out at the same time as other like big releases, so it kind of got buried. Mm-hmm. So I think much like how KOF thirteen back whenever, like it was still like oh only like you know um, South America or Korea plays that game, the for yeah, grand finals for that was... game was like super hype. Oh my god, watching... I miss... King of Fighters 13 is like one of my favorite fighting games of all time. I'm like the only one amongst mm. like our fighting game friends that really champions that game. And I would say it's like within my top three fighting games ever. Like I mm. freaking love that game. And the the finals for King of Fighters 13 is always nuts. The top eight is freaking busted. You see crazy ass combos you see ridiculous comebacks you see like tech that you wouldn't think any human could achieve with that much pressure on them and people just freaking pull it off if you really want to watch a really good kof look up the mad kof versus bala grand finals for evo i think 2013 or something yeah i think it's 2013 that was like the pinnacle of like the how good kof can get like right now nobody really well kof is still popular in countries like it's just not as like popular in north america i find it's popular in places it's played by someone um i th- i might i would have been hyped for mk11 but i think you know it's, it's still like nether nether realm games uh personally wasn't really my cup of tea per se but going back to yeah. soul caliber 6 i think that game has the most potential to like really bring the hype to people especially if people is some if a player wins with like 2b or something <laughs> and like yeah that could be a thing that game gives the most affordances for like the like the comical KOs. so you can ring out people or you can like do like clutch comebacks and all that i think we haven't really seen super high level soul caliber 6 yet like on a global scale and yeah. i think this evo will be like the best uh, time to see what really high level Soul Calibur looks like. 
Yeah, I mean, Soul Calibur Six is freaking awesome. I had such a... I think I've put in like 70 or 80 hours into that game. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed the crap out of it. I know amongst our friend group, I was probably the one who was the most passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, But it, it is such a fun game. Uh, I, I think Canada Cup 2018 was like the last time I really followed the competitive scene. So mm-hmm. it's been like probably eight six months since i really checked back in so i'd be very curious to see what how the games developed because a lot of the characters i really liked were really good mm-hmm. but yeah like i i i definitely want i actually want to like look up like what's the meta now i'd be very curious to see that but uh andy you didn't mention one particular game unist well <laughs> i wasn't gonna point that out but you know that's a fair point I was going to say uh, the front runner for Evo, the most popular game, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Before I answer the question, move your webcam teeny bit downwards. <laughs> your imbalance is killing, is triggering my design sense. Why? Because I'm like not perfectly symmetrical? Yeah, you're asymmetrical, which is a good thing, but no. Um, Smash Ultimate. I'll be honest, at least Smash Ultimate... No, actually, no, I'll go back. I'm one of those few people actually likes watching Melee, to be honest. <clears throat> I know. Yikes. Stop, get on, get off your phone. Um, I think Evo 2018 <clears throat> or 17, when Leffen went against some Armada, that was super hype. Like, I know you hate Melee to the bone, but I, I still think Melee is, to a degree, a really good spectator esport. Or FGC. No, 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 no not even FGC. No, stop, stop. Melee is a good spectator game. No, no, no FGC or esports side. Melee is a good spectator game. Yes. Okay. I honestly <laughs> disagree, but, but I'm not going to get into that too much because that. But continuing off of debate. that, Ultimate, I think it is also fun to watch because, <clears throat> like, I like seeing new faces and like. Um, There's a lot of faces. No more always the same character wins kind of thing. I mean, we just had a Pikachu win. Uh, be, the summit tournament recently, I think. Mm-hmm. I, you can tell how much we follow the scene that we don't, but I—I I mean, I think the one thing with Ultimate and Smash in general, and I kind of, you know, directly said stuff about this earlier, but and you were commenting on how you don't like seeing the same winners, and the Smash community is pretty freaking notorious for that. It's pretty much <laughs> always the same four guys trading places. Ultimate's been better about that, but like Melee's had that problem for a long time with like having mm-hmm. the four gods, where there's like years where this the top player just wins every major tournament relatively <clears throat> predictably. I think that's also because there these are guys that played Melee before Melee became like the big competitive scene as it is now. Like you can't betray like di- like experience. You just can't. And for people have been obsessively playing <laughs> melee longer than any other game. Most of the generation watching it has been alive. And if you're a new player or even like semi new trying to get into the competitive scene, like hoping to win when there's like, like the same gods lurking around, it's impossible. Yeah. It's unless you get lucky or there's like certain variables in play. I see absolutely no way that like long veterans can ever lose, you know? I mean, in Ultimate, maybe some fresh some fresh faces now have a great opportunity to thwack some pros. 
I mean, as long as it doesn't become a new like last year's Bayonetta versus Bayonetta or whatever. I mean, if uh, if Hero is allowed for Evo, I'm I'm not <laughs> sure if he is. I hope he is because then we'll get plenty of like uh, Twitch clips. Of that would be pretty freaking hype. Instant I... one hit RNG. We're referring to Hero, who is the representative from Dragon Quest, who's the latest DLC character for Smash Ultimate, who I believe is out now. Is he out tonight? Um, I think he's out now. I saw people streaming him already. And he looks pretty busty. He's got some RNG mechanics. He's got some... Uh... He has like four <laughs> different down Bs or some shit. He has the ability to put people to sleep and then charge an up smash and kill them. He has the ability to teleport to people. People have been theory crafting like crazy all day with all the crazy stuff he can do. I love it because people are talking about Dragon Quest. And it's been a long time coming because Dragon Quest is freaking fantastic. And the West has ignored it for far too long. I have several questions for you because you're a Dragon Quest fan. Mm-hmm. Question. I'm a big fan. Question number one. Some people don't know what Dragon Quest is. How do you feel about that? And they're like, what is this Dragon Quest game they're taking a slot out of? Yeah, I really... <clears throat> I mean, the big thing is with Smash Brothers, <clears throat> a lot of that crowd's like, another sword character? Like, this is a stupid... <laughs> this is a stupid pull. Give me Banjo-Kazooie, huh? And they want that. But they got that, um, though. <laughs> they, could, they did get that, so they can have that. But, like, the Japanese fans, like, oh, my God. Like, watching the Japanese fans' reactions to it. For those that don't know, Dragon Quest is, like, the premier Japanese-style role-playing game. It's been around for, what, like, over 30 years now? Forever. I mean, you should know the exact number by now. What kind of fan are you? I mean, I. but the thing is, I got into it, like, late. In, like, the late, like, in, like, 2011, 12 with the... Uh, DS remakes of the of four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Specifically five. Five's like, in my opinion, like one of the best Japanese classic Japanese RPGs ever. I would put it above like all the Final Fantasies and all that. I'd say it's a must play. Question number two. One of the moves for Hero is you input a command and you get to ch- choose between like four different moves. So when you say command, you're talking about like the menu-based commands, like in the game, or like in a lot of Japanese RPGs. Yes, sir. And, Darren, we live in different countries. That means different languages, especially yes. English and Japanese. So I saw... Well... Let, let me finish. Yeah. So I saw... <laughs> I'm not sure who started this. I'm just going to say Zero, one of the... I'm going to say the most popular ultimate player out there right now tweeted that most popular ultimate streamer streamer yes not a player, <laughs> not a player. <laughs> Ouch. Um, but he tweeted out <laughs> something really interesting that depending on the version you get the items on those menus will either be english or japanese and people are he is saying that you can literally counterpick use here as a counterpick because english plebs won't know what those japanese like moon symbols will mean now, if you're playing in Japanese, if you're playing Japanese, but but if you're playing no, in no, English, no, 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 no. Here, here's the thing. Here's the funny part. Someone else countertweeted that saying, "You fool! Dragon Quest fans have learned Japanese because they translated all the games because Square Enix took forever with localizations. <laughs> <laughs> they know what all those <laughs> symbols true. mean now. That's true. Counterpick is useless. It just means Dragon Quest fans are at the top of the meta. They're gonna be. Uh, they're gonna be the players to beat. But I mean. If you're playing in English, like, like is he talking about online specifically? I think he means tournaments. Well, in tournament, wouldn't you just play the game in English? I mean, there's Japanese players, right? 
What's stopping them from changing locales? That's actually a really good point because that would change like their literacy. Yep. Like I, oh, I can't read English. I'd imagine. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it might be easier for them to look at the English and know what it is versus the Japanese, like versus a Westerner trying to learn the Japanese. Because mm-hmm. at least like the English words are like so you have stuff like thwack, zoom. <laughs> Uh, and like uh, and like sleep, like all those words look very different. Whereas like in the Japanese, like when you look at it at a glance as a Westerner, you're like, uh. But if you're like a Japanese guy, you're smart already because you know Japanese. You can look at that and kind of be like, oh, like that looks different, and you can kind of remember like the letter count. Mm-hmm. Whereas a stupid gaijin, they're not going to know what the moon runes are. What does thwack mean? What's thwack in Japanese? Is this called thwaku? It might be, because a lot of uh, the Dragon Quest translations are, um, there's a good deal of liberties taken. Mm -hmm. Like, in the Japanese Dragon Quest games, they refer to, like, a god. Mm -hmm. Like, when you go to a church, they say, pray to God to save your game. Right. Whereas in the English versions, because we can't, you know, Nintendo of America censorship, you can't say, hey, pray to God. Can't say that's children. How (laughs) dare you? You would, you say, pray to the goddess. Why is that so okay? like that's a big that's a big thing and a big thing in the uh, localizations is giving characters accents, mm-hmm. which is somewhat true in the Japanese version as well because like there's different regional dialects and whatnot. Right, right. But in the English version, they go freaking like all out. They give characters like crazy accents, and it'll be in, like the actual writing. So, I think the spell names are going to be pretty different, mm-hmm. but because like there's stuff like boom. And Kaboom, which and is a Ka-Zing, more powerful... Yeah. A Kazing, yeah. Because mm. Ka usually means, like, the one that hits multiple people. Yeah. Or it's, like, the upgraded version. Mm-hmm. And I don't know... I, I imagine because it's Ka, it must be similar in Japanese, because that's an actual character. Yeah. In, like, their, uh, in their alphabets. And they have a so Z imagine, sound, too, so... Yeah. So I imagine it's somewhat similar, but there's probably a couple liberties. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Thwack was just like death in Japanese. And they're like, that's really grim, just casting death. You're an you're not thwack 'em. You can't say death and ki- death to kids, you're only thwacking them. <laughs> I mean the, the best part is that I've always liked about it is like when a character dies, you just have their coffin behind you. That was kind of weird too, like all these symbolism here and there. I mean that religion's usually a pretty big part because it's inspired by like D and D style uh, dungeon crawling, where churches and whatnot play a bigger part in settings. So it's kind of taken from that, and they kind of spun their own uh, thing on that. But hero looks really cool. I really like how they integrated the uh, the various mechanics, mm-hmm. and I guess like the. I guess, like, the look and feel of Dragon Quest, which is something Smash is very good at. Like, we saw that with Cloud with his limit break system. Or Joker from which Persona. Is, Joker from Persona is also a good example. Um, Kirby, I think, is probably the most classical example of, like, taking a character's mechanics and just putting him in Smash, and he's literally just Kirby. Mm-hmm. So, I'd say they've done a really, really, really good job of taking something that theoretically should not work, and it seemingly works maybe too well. Now, well, let's yeah. see. The hero from, I don't know why I just call it the hero, but the hero is, I think, four different Dragon Quest heroes in one, correct? 
Well, the default is the hero. I don't know the official name because some of the hero characters have like either a manga adaptation or they're referenced in other games. Right. Like most specifically Erdrick, which is Loto or Roto in Japanese. Mm-hmm. He's the hero technically from Dragon Quest 1 and 3. In 3, you're playing as the original Erdrick, which is the English version. They called him Erdrick, whereas in Japanese, he's like Roto mm-hmm. or Loto. It's like the RL thing. Right. And uh, He's a in lottery. One, <laughs> in 1, you're a descendant of him. Mm-hmm. And your name and, and in canon, you're named after him. Mm-hmm. And then in Dragon Quest 2, you just play a distant descendant of that guy, who oh, just has okay. a different name. But not all of them have that name. So for Dragon Quest Eleven, he's the default avatar for hero mm-hmm. then you can switch to the one from dragon quest 4 which is at the start of its own trilogy is that the one with you the green hair ax- yes mm-hmm. he's he's got the weird like almost like aquatic looking like crown on his head yeah which is that's the only game that has a hero design like that so that's interesting and then they have the classic, like all the characters look very classic Toriyama. Mm-hmm. You have Erdrick, who's the guy who's got like the the like the metal band yeah, and yeah, the spiked yeah. up Goku hair. Yeah, yeah. He that's the one from Dragon Quest three specifically, which mm-hmm. is like one of, if not like the most popular like Japanese style RPG ever, mm-hmm. especially in, amongst Japanese fans. Like they were crazy about that. And then in the Western sense, you probably have the most popular representative, which is the Dragon Quest Eight hero. Yes, my favorite. Who's got the bandana? I I freaking love I I love those designs. I still I'm bummed yet. out. I didn't get my Dragon Quest Five design though. Which one is that? Is that the one with the green tunic? No, he's got the <laughs> turban. All right, 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 right. There's the one before that. Like you know that we were talking. I think we talked about this on like a really early episode. But the Dragon Quest Your Story movie, the CG movie. Ah, yes, yes, yes. That one's based off of five. So he's wearing the, the, the turban, has like a ponytail and like the... Uh, the, the purple turban, right? Yes. Right, that character. See, I know my box arts. Yeah, <laughs> you know your box arts. I mean, that's honestly like how... Like the hero is on each box art for each game. So that's kind of how you tell them apart. All right. So, I mean, to be honest, that's all we have to talk about. Hero featured in Dragon Quest XI S coming to Nintendo Switch on November 27th. No, I don't know what the joke is. Go check out Leffen's Twitter. He just makes he just tweeted something incredibly hilarious about that. But we'll leave it to you. Leffen also started a change org petition to get Hero uh, banned from tournaments because all all the RNG mechanics. And I actually agree with them on this one, to be honest. Boo! You guys suck, dude. We can't put RNG on a mechanic, like but in competitive it's so environment. So minuscule. Dude, you technically Thwack. have RNG mechanics with characters like uh, like Thwack, Faust, right? Thwack can kill instantly, given like even with one percent. That's still one percent, though. It's so, so it's like, minimal. And if you, and and I think in any competitive setting, if you actually try to use Thwack, you're gonna get Thwacked <laughs> by the other guy because you're leaving yourself open and doing a bad move. Can you imagine if like both players just to try to Thwack each other till the end? It's the last stop. It'd either be a really short match or a really long one. I I think that'd be super hype. Like they're both on last stock and just try to thwack each other. Can it be reflected? Ooh, because that if if it can be reflected, I say it's fair game. Can you also so many characters who have like reflections, or Mm -hmm. if you could just shield it? There you go. 
or you can spot dodge. Like, I don't really get it because it's not a guarantee. Like, it's such a huge risk for the other player to try to do it. But it's still and there, I think it's right? Just, but it, it's just Smash players being babies about anything that's not exactly like like the way they like to play the game with all the numbers and stuff. They they want it exactly all the same, the same frame data. They want to know everything. I don't think everything. it's like, it's not even that, I don't think. Like they're very particular, but they're already very particular about how their game should be played. You have to play on these stages. It can't be like this. You can't have any not even items. That. Like you can't have stuff like that. If I actually read, read like what Leffens wrote, like actually they're actually like legit arguments. I find even if you think about game design, they always teach you that RNG is a bad thing. Although they do it, it all can the time. Be. It can be like critical hits are an example of that, right? Like in, in Japanese RPGs, but in like that. that in that um, context, it makes sense for like RPGs or like uh, what's a good one, like any RPG games that like has stats to it. But let's say in Tekken, there's like let's say hmm, you know those like unblockables. Let's say but they they have a percentage to insta kill. Let's say Kazuya's Devil Laser has a chance like really small percentage to insta kill at a certain like HP level HP percent. Wouldn't that be like I mean, bad? The, the FGC perspective would be to adapt, dodge it, don't get hit by it, get good. What right? if what if you can do a setup that lets you do it? It's like infinites in a way, don't you think? But the thing is, you don't know if there's a setup to do it. You don't know if it's as powerful as an infinite. And I don't think this is based off of what they showed. So I think okay. it looks like I think it's just a fun little gimmick thing. And if they're really smart to avoid people like Leffen and like the top competitive people from losing their shit, they should just add an option to turn off the instant kill. Mm, well, I don't know about that, but I also think Leffen... Like just change, yeah. just change Thwack to do damage. Like, isn't there other characters who have stuff where they do a move? Like, like freaking Game & Watch. He's got his, his down B with the hammer that is RNG that can do like... Not necessarily insta-kill, but get pretty close to See, it. See, that's the difference. This thing, Thwack insta-kills. But at the same time, I think Leffen might be super trolling. Who knows? He probably is, because I think 90% of like his persona. Like, even his tweet about the shit. Like, Hero being like bad seems like trollish to me, and people are still like, oh, eating it's super it trollish, because he hasn't even played. He hasn't even, like, at the time he tweeted it, he didn't even have hands on. No yeah. one did. So He's just stirring the pot. Let's just clicks, yo. Let's just say Leffen will be Leffen. And I actually like him as a personality. I think it's cool. Sure. <laughs> I know. You don't really like anyone in the FGC. Or not FGC. Sorry, Smash. There's tons of cool people in the FGC, but Smash are not really the FGC. They're like Moving on. little cesspool. <laughs> At least they're showering now, or they're being forced to. I mean, I'm, I guess evil will provide deodorants this year. Maybe. <laughs> like... It's like, do you, we will provide water or deodorant, and not both, so pick one. <laughs> well, people are probably just going to pick water. <laughs> it's in frickin' Las Vegas. Gotta stay hydrated. Did you also hear about, like, there's a gi gigantic grasshopper storm right now happening? Like, locust storms happening Ooh. in Vegas right now. <laughs> oh, it's the end of days. Yep, they're going to hold just the FGC time there. for Smash. Speaking of Nintendo stuff, let's move on to the actual topic, which I brought Darren here to talk about for once. So, Darren, what is one of your favorite franchises ever? 
Well, if you know me for my YouTube channel, you would probably know it's the Tales of series. I know, but that's not what I'm trying to fish out, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It is Uh, Fire Emblem. I am a hardcore Fire Emblem fan. I have posted videos on nearly every main installment of the Fire Emblem series. I should probably update that at some point to catch up to Echoes and whatnot, and... You know, the the topic we're getting to, uh, Three Houses, the most recent Fire Emblem game. But I'm a big fan. He's a big fan of the franchise, not the Three Houses game. Let's make that clear. I am a fan of Fire Emblem in general. I think it has incredibly addictive strategy RPG gameplay. There are some games that have some of my favorite characters and storylines in games. I find many of the games in the series to be incredibly replayable, and I revisit many entries in the series fairly regularly. And I'm overall like a, like a huge fan. Like I will support the series. I love the series. I'm happy it's doing well. But sort of the theme of this that you kind of helped set me up and kind of pushed me to talk about was I'm not necessarily a fan of the direction that the series is going. And this has kind of been happening ever since Awakening released back in 2013 mm-hmm. and was a huge success when Fire Emblem was on the downtrend. The games were selling less and less and Nintendo kind of gave Intelligent Systems, the developer, a one last shot to make like one more Fire Emblem game. And it blew up. It did super well. It helped appeal to a wider audience. It brought in more casual fans. It brought in a hell of a lot of anime fans. And for better or worse, here we are now with Gotcha Waifu Games. We had Fates, which was fan fiction. And now we have Three Houses, which is Persona Emblem. Now, before we dive into Three Houses... And the main question I want to ask you first is why you didn't pre-order it yet. Walk or me buy th- it. Or buy it. Walk me through your interpretation of the rise of Fire Emblem and the where you think it kind of fell off and where it stands right now. Kind of walk me through that. Sure, sure. So, I mean, in Japan, they obviously have had access to Fire Emblem since forever. It was one of the first console strategy, turn-based strategy RPGs. Mm -hmm. It sort of cemented a style that games like XCOM and and I think Jagged Alliance to an extent, and other games like that, like other Western titles would sort of adapt from. It inspired stuff like uh, Tactics Ogre and later Final Fantasy Tactics. Let us cling together. Yes. Oh my god, that's such a good game. Um, but Fire Emblem in the West probably had, I mean, if you talk to most Fire Emblem fans, they'll probably tell you Awakenings, like the brightest point of it. Mm-hmm. I'd argue it started at like one of the best points possible with uh, the original Fire Emblem or Fire Emblem uh, Reka no Ken, mm-hmm. which is uh, the subtitle, which is the Blazing Sword, the Blazing Sword which is the game that we got in the GBA back in 03, which had characters like Ellie Wood, Lynn, Hector. Like, it was a game that... It did pretty well. It it rode on the success of Super Smash Bros. Melee by including uh, Marth and Roy, who are two Fire Emblem characters. And they released a game that didn't star either of these characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, it caught on because people are like, who are these? Like Smash Brothers is really great for exposing people unfamiliar with the franchise to something new. And it did that for a lot of people for Fire Emblem. Mm -hmm. 
And then I was one of those people. I didn't know what Fire Emblem was. And I remember reading a Nintendo Power back when magazines were a thing I could get everywhere. What's a magazine, Darren? Oh, man. It's just people these days. Just people magazine. But uh, (laughs) reading that Nintendo Power, they had a preview on Fire Emblem. And I remember asking for my... I asked for it for my birthday. And my grandparents delivered... And I remember just playing that game over and over and over again. I thought you said you got your grandparents to buy you the magazines. I'm like, what kind of present is that? No, no, they they got (laughs) they delivered the magazines to me for Christmas. Oh yeah, I got a subscription to Nintendo Power for Christmas. Thanks, Grandma, Grandpa. To be fair, back in those days, that wouldn't be a terrible present. It's a terrible present. (laughs) But uh, compared to giving people books for actually no, well back in the day. Giving books is a bad gift. When you're like when you're like ten, you want a video game for Christmas. Mm-hmm. When you're ten, for, even even when you're thirty, you want a video. Curry game. and Santa got me books for Christmas, and every <laughs> and Santa got me a math book. And other kids got toys. I'm like, what is this? Have my have How my to be been a good? doctor? <laughs> no, it was like short tales, <laughs> like mini stories. The short tales of the doctor. Go be an author. I don't know. Go on. Uh, but yeah, like like Fire Emblem GBA was fantastic. I remember then picking up Sacred Stones, which I believe released like the following like year, like mm-hmm. maybe fifteen months after. Really close. Which is completely unrelated yep. to like it's an entirely separate continuity. It's a different uh, plot line, storyline, characters. Nothing carried over from the other game, and. The thing that we didn't know back in the day is that Fire Emblem GBA was a prequel to the the previous game, which starred Roy, which is Fire Emblem The Sealed Sword, mm-hmm. which I don't remember the Japanese title. But uh, it's been translated to English online by people, so you can play it just like those Dragon Quest fans and what they do with their games. But uh, it ends on a note where it sets up the next game or like the previous game. But back in the day, you're like, oh, man, this is going to be the game with Roy in it. Oh, yeah. This is going to be great. And you play Sacred Stones, and you're like, uh, where's Roy? Who's this green, blue-haired person? <laughs> I remember being in denial, like, halfway through the game, waiting for the point where Roy shows up. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm here to fight the dragon. Anytime now. <laughs> and they're like, but we're fighting the Demon King. I was like, what? I thought Fire Emblem was about dragons. Nope. But uh, Sacred Stones was great. It was still a really good game. It I don't think it was quite as successful as the previous game because it got to ride that Smash Brothers hype. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I don't think it's quite as like big of a splash. But then we moved on to the GameCube era, Path of Radiance, which this is where Fire Emblem, despite the game quality being incredibly high, I'd argue Path of Radiance is like one of the best games in the series. Only because it's one Black of the better Knight stories. Oh, it's got the Black Knight. Oh, man. Sorry, I just had to think a moment about the Black Knight. The oh, Black yeah. Knight makes Darren rock hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love BK. But uh, Black Knight, BK. He's the BK. Uh, point being, Path of Radiance <laughs> is really good, but it's sold like Garbo compared to the GBA games because people who had a GameCube were there for Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, <clears throat> and they're not there for a strategy RPG they had to play for like hours at a time to clear through one map. Oh, I'm sorry, Just, Darren. I was there for Bite and Kaitos, the best card game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you played the card game, but not like Path of Radiance. No. Which is now like a collector's item. But Path of Radiance is great. That's the game that has Ike in it. Uh, yes, then I Radiant like. Dawn sort of continued this trend of console Fire Emblem games just not selling well. Mm-hmm. 
Radiant Dawn didn't do particularly well. It was probably one of the worst reviewed. Partially because it's probably of the Western games, one of, if not the most difficult Fire Emblem game to play on like the normal difficulty. Mm-hmm. So a lot of reviewer, and it's also like super long. It's like a 50 hour like minimum game. Ew. Like like the other games you could probably get through in like 20 hours if you're not really doing side content or grinding. Like mm-hmm. you can get through them pretty quick. But Radiant Dawn is freaking long. It's the first game to ever give me eye strain because I played it at release like 20, I think I played it like 30 hours straight and I had eye strain and couldn't play it. Really? <laughs> yeah, God. that was back during a particular part of my life where uh, I hid from the world and played video games. That just got dark real quick. <laughs> Go yeah. on. Sometimes... The demons we fight in video games really exist within ourselves. That's the most gayest thing ever. <laughs> well, I can't say that but, word. Uh, Shit. Uh, censor, uh, censor. <laughs> I'm cutting that part you, out. You, I can't say that oh, word. Geez. Oh, jeez. Um, but Radiant Dawn did not do well. And then it led us to Shadow Dragon, which is a remake of the original Fire Emblem, which starred Marth in it. Yay. This was for the Nintendo DS. Boo. It also did not sell super well. Oh, no. <laughs> it, I think it sold better than Radiant Dawn because the DS just had such a stupid, huge audience. Oh, yeah. And Fire Emblem, for a lot of people, feels most at home on portable systems. Which, you know, for me, like I, I think tactical RPGs in general are really great for pick up and play. Like You kind of clear through a map on a train ride. You turn it off. You come back. And in, like, the GBA games, you could just turn off your Game Boy and it would resume your progress from exactly the point you turned it off. No saving or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DS game, it was pretty bare-bones and basic. It followed the original game to, like, a T. Mm-hmm. It has its fair share of fans, but it, honestly, it came out pretty late in the DS's life cycle. It didn't really set the world on fire, and because of its sales, we never got the uh, following game. Mm-hmm. Which is like, it's like New Mystery of the Emblem. It's got like a super long name. It's, it's so long. It's a remake of the third game in the series, which is a direct sequel to Fire Emblem 1. <laughs> Fire Emblem Mysteries of the New Emblem Gaiden Shoken Ruken no Sword. Three. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, it's like New Mystery of the Emblem Heroes of Light and Shadow Ew. is technically the full name. I also find like the original game on the DS kind of was like a super departure in art, terms of art style because I think they want to try to emulate the, was it the SNES or NES? Like that kind of art style, right? It felt really different well, compared to like the Sacred Stone. They games. hired, they actually hired the Ghost in the Art <clears throat> manga artist to do all the portraits. Mm-hmm. So like that art direction was normal, but like it, it the thing that really set Game Boy Advance, and to an extent, like Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, Fire Emblem, mm-hmm. was the highly stylized sprite visuals. Oh, yeah. Like, seeing those critical hit animations and people attacking each other was super exciting. It was super cool looking. Oh, freaking Joshua and then once the- they went to 3D, like in uh, Path of Radiance, Radiant Dawn, and Shadow Dragon, which is 3D, the animations were really not nearly as exciting. No. They looked maybe. more realistic, but that doesn't always mean, like, thrilling. It just aged very fast. <laughs> yeah, like Shadow Dragon, if you look at the visuals now, like none of the character models have proper faces. Like they're just kind of like blank. Like it looks really, it looks really rudimentary. Mm-hmm. And 
like it's a, it's an all right game. Like it's solid, but it's it's not anywhere on the level of the other games. It just felt out of place, I think, in terms of where the DS was at its life cycle. Because yeah. the 3DS was like starting to boom at that point, I think. But I know at this point in the West, Fire Emblem was like all but dead. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, it was also kind of starting to dwindle too, which is why Awakening, which is the thirteenth game and the first Fire Emblem to come out for 3DS, had so much pressure on it. Don't it was you find it ironic? It's called Awakening. <laughs> kind of Fire Emblem awaken itself again, kind of thing. No, go on. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what they're going for. It's like we have to revitalize, awaken the Stormant series, this classical Nintendo franchise that's been around since the nineties. I bet you they only said awakening because it fits nicely on a box art, except like not to have like all those like. Mysteries of the Emblem, Heroes of Light and Dark, fight the Jet Dragon again, once again, and once upon a time. <laughs> dragon of Darkness, Super Fire, super fire Dragon. Uh, but I, I'd honestly argue Awakening was the brightest moment in the series, because that literally saved Fire Emblem. It's hard to top that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'll always appreciate Fire Emblem, like Reckon No Ken coming out in the GBA and, like, sparking that initial interest. Mm-hmm. But Awakening brought this series that was on the brink and and revitalized it and it brought in so many new fans but it also started this trend of kind of casualizing two things it (laughs) made it a lot more casual friendly introduced casual mode where your units no longer die which is a core staple (laughs) of the fire emblem games for for people who just can't handle getting good at the video game (sighs) (laughs) or just reset like the rest of us you pleb Hey, I'll help you know, playing through... Okay, let me preface this. Awakening is the most... uh, The 3DS game I put the most time in. Even more than Pokemon, even more than Monster Hunter 4. That's crazy. And I played on hard because I think Darren egged me on, told me, oh, who plays on casual or easy, you little shit? Well, not in those exact words, but... It was not those exact words. (laughs) But I did play on hard... Um, and I think one of the children missions, I think for Tiki's child, child, I don't know her name. I think her name's Er. Anyway, I restarted. I don't think she has a child in that game. You you can you can romance Tiki. Yeah, well, not Tiki. Can, no, sorry, 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 You think of Nawe. Bingo. The uh, and she illegal has, one. Uh, it's like no. Oh, that's or yeah. like that. Noe and her name is like No or something with the little thing. So her yeah. mission is extremely hard and that made me restart so many times. And also I suck at video games. Um, if you want to see how much I suck, you can check out, <laughs> go to Darren's channel and Gaming Pilgrimage. And you can find a playlist where Darren and I play through the Sacred Stones. And we took turns for each map. If you want to see the pinnacle of Darren's anger and my like idios- idiosity... Do check it out. Darren I think mean, it's a bad I, playthrough, but I thought it was excellent. It was fun. It was excellent. It, but, but there was mistakes made. There's a couple characters I just like forgot to move. You killed my wife at one point. <laughs> I know. I killed your wife, which is hilarious. Because I was like, I I forgot. There's an archer there. Archers can move, apparently, you dumbass. <laughs> but uh, people mm. on the Emblem cast still talk about how you promoted friends to a great night. It still triggers them to this day. Hey, we wanted to make it different. Hey, people remember it now. I'm a master of content. <laughs> Master of content, man. I remember that getting pretty difficult near the end, but poor anyway. Yeah, because we made him a fucking great night. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> he didn't do shit. He, his stats are not great either. He also, he if you want to see the pinnacle of bullshit RNG, oh my god. Oh my god. That that NPC thwacked us. <laughs> he fucking <laughs> he thwacked, thwacked us. Didn't he kill like three units? He killed the dragon girl from away from far. Critical art two yeah, percent. <laughs> Seriously, go check it fun. out. That playthrough. So, Okay, if anything, you can watch the death compilation because it kind of like puts everything into perspective. <laughs> it really shows you the full the full journey. This guy lost Ross the, really early in the game. <laughs> that was so bad. Oh, I felt so bad losing him that early. Oh my god. But but do not see the times. I actually put the link in the description of this video and podcast. Do check it out if anything. Yeah, I might watch it later tonight. Um, but awakening, like, like, like from what you can sort of, you can probably chime in on this too, but like, yeah, yeah. what did you really like about awakening? So awakening was reviewed incredibly well. It had like really high, I had like a 92 or 93 average, mm-hmm. which for a super Japanese hard, like I say, I'll say hardcore in quotes cause it's starting to be a bit more casual, but like a relatively hardcore strategy RPG. That's a pr- pr- pretty niche series got incredibly well reviewed like universal acclaim at launch Mm -hmm. across the board like what drew you to it as someone who's not as big in fire emblem Mm, this might be a lot of fanboysing but number one biggest for me that the character art was really like my kind of art you know like the character design the no more heroes artist i believe maybe but the character art alone got me like interested like I played previous Fire Emblems before on the Game Boy, um, not like I played it before playing it with you, mm-hmm. back on the Game Boy days, and those were fun. And back then I was still a casual, and I didn't even know like different weapons had like different hit rate or like different like how many times you can hit that kind of stuff. Which you can see my idiocy at the play- playlist. Go check it out. Um, yeah, Awakening. I like the. I'm a sucker for like dating sim that kind of stuff. And yeah. also, like a lot of parent people, lot of people are, and like you know, those unlocking those support dialogues, and even the fact that oh, you can depending on who you quote unquote romance, you can have different child and you can have different stats. And I'm like a sucker yeah. for grinding some. That was like oh, I can have so many combinations. I can actually like mix and match who I think should be the canon marriage kind of thing. That yeah. Got me and super you hooked. also have, I know this pair will produce the most busted, broken, mm-hmm. OP soldier. Like, the, I'm literally breeding the perfect soldier right now. Because there were certain... Awakening had power. an incredibly exploitable system where <sighs> the higher level the parents were, the more mm, skills oh, yeah. you could pass on. And it would, in turn, it made the child units have better stats. And they always started at the same level either way. And they have so all they the would skills of the parents, and that was broken. And they would just emerge at low levels with like super high stats as gods, and could just wipe through people. And I, I mean, from like uh, it, that's kind of a mechanic that works to the hardcore for like the RNG number crunching, trying to figure out the perfect soldier. Mm-hmm. And from like the more casual perspective of, I like these two characters. I think they're cute together. Or you have your self insert character. I'm trying to remember who I romanced. <laughs> Did I romance Chrome? <laughs> it would have been Cordelia. Uh, Let's be real. No, 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 no. I went. I went. Made Cordelia go with uh, Chrome. You can't. Oh yeah, because she uh, has an unrequited love 
for him. Did I Cordelia? And so they have no support conversations. No, I think I paired up long, long Q with Cordelia. You bastard. I don't know. I just... Cordelia, number one favorite character in the game, but I... My think I think I romance Tiki for the Dragonborn. I think because your your avatar unit, yeah, which is canonically known as Robin, he's in Smash. You might have seen him or her or her. Mm. Yeah, good catch. <laughs> and like you had a child unit, so you could if Lord. you paired up, so you could create an OP God Dragon child. I think that's what I did just for like I didn't even use Morgan, who's is the name of the your firstborn. I didn't really use your only born. Uh, him or her that much because at at the end game I have like so many units that are OP anyway like I didn't even need to bother using them yeah even on hard there mode like, like that. it was kind of like easy if you grind it enough because like because it's on the 3DS they introduced like DLC maps where you can earn a lot of EXP and gold yep you can go pay like three ninety nine and get the map that just gives you a free level up every time you kill this one particular enemy. So if you yeah. want to max level your people, oh man, this just got a lot easier. So I kind of like, you know, cheated in that sense where I didn't like, I actually went back and grinded a lot. Yeah. I mean, for my first playthrough, I, I enjoyed it, to be honest. But yeah. looking back at it now, I might just do like a straight up no grinding run maybe in the future. But yeah. Yeah. Because Awakening was like, I think it was one of those games that, like, initially at launch, I was over the moon for it. I was so happy to play a Fire Emblem game that felt fresh, that kind of, that kind of reminded me of the old stuff. The story stuff, like, looking back at it, mm-hmm. is pretty basic and pretty bare bones. Yeah. But like you said, it had a fresh new look to it. It had, it brought, like, the one thing I, I always hold against Awakening, that is, like, the start of this whole shipping thing, because that's obviously grown to be like its own subculture of fire emblem is like the people who pair certain people together or like that and to, ex- and to an extent that has always existed because a lot of the previous fire emblem games going as far back as like genealogy of the holy war that game let you marry units together and there were mm-hmm. some support conversations but in like the older games the reward for a support conversation like obviously in most game in all games with a support system there's a numerical gameplay benefit where the units they fight beside each other they do better they have a better hit chance better crit chance they might do more damage stuff like that mm-hmm. um but there is the the big reward like narratives narratively speaking the payoff is you learn more of this character because otherwise like you know fire emblem games have pretty big casts of characters and you don't really get to see them in the forefront nope so except for the main ones yeah yeah, like characters like Carol, who is like the sword a sword master you can rec- who who's very difficult oh. to recruit if you don't know what you're doing. Mm. In Awakening? No, in uh Fire Emblem GBA. Wait, which one? The Sacred Stones or GBA. Like just Fire Emblem. Oh, okay. No, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. He he is hard to recruit, but it, like you don't know anything about this guy. But if you talk to certain characters, you learn like this deep lore and backstory about like how he's like part of this clan and how this clan operated, like what he's doing. And there's and there's a lot of cool information that you wouldn't get any other way. Mm-hmm. And for some characters, there was multiple marriage options. Like at the end of the, the end, like after you beat the game, it's just like, hey, <laughs> It, it would just say, hey, these characters end up getting married. And in some cases, it said, it would say, like, at their max thing. Like, you don't know at the time, but at, during the epilogue, it says, 
they had a thing for each other, but mm-hmm. it didn't work. And later they met on the battlefield on opposite sides. And you're like, oh shit, like that's a cool twist. And mm-hmm. Awakening kind of took away all of that and made it happy, go lucky, power of friendship and love will save us all. Mm-hmm. And the series seemingly has since barreled head first in that direction ever since. I I think two big factors might be for the reason like why it's got popular. <clears throat> I think the big leap from having no voiceover to voiceover is a big thing. And also Yes. Not, Although not, yeah. Radiant Dawn has absolutely abysmal voice acting. Okay, so we got there. decent voice acting. You got pretty great voice acting. And I think, as I spoke about the art style, I think that was also a big factor because, you know, people at the time were starting to become more open to the idea of, like, Japanese anime and becoming... They're, like, popular shows, like, I think Attack on Titans and, like, you know, Sora Online. Those kind of shows... For better or worse. For better or worse, yeah. For better or worse, introduced the Japanese, like, I don't want... I think I want to say pop culture, but like culture to the Western audience and seeing a game having the similar art style kind of like, oh, they look like, as Otacon would say, like my Japanese animes. And that's like a big... looks like one of my Japanese animes. It's like a big hook for them. And I think if you look back, like Final Fantasy VIII did that kind of shit from, oh no, even seven. Like you went from six to seven and they choose like a different art style and they let Tetsuya Nomura do the, like the artwork and he favored a more cartoonish manga style which was popular at the yeah. time and that played yeah. a big factor in people you know at uh make a good first impression like oh yeah this art i like old, the art that kind of stuff old school fire emblem looks like 90s anime like that was very much mm-hmm. the uh the style and then awakening definitely looked like much more modern like much more akin to what you'd see in like a modern stylized anime for better or worse. <laughs> How much of it do you think had to do with that you could have your own self-insert character that you could name, occasionally could make choices for, and they were kind of meant to fill the role of the player. And they're kind of meant to be you inserting yourself in the story and being a main character and all the girls liking you and all that sort of stuff. Personal take is, you know, the Fire em- the, um, the GBA Fire Emblem also did that, right? The LA would But one? to a much, much, yeah. much lesser extent. Much lesser extent. You, you were like freaking window dressing. Yeah. There were like two, there was like. <laughs> you have a sprite, maybe that's about it. 10 points where the characters would look at the camera and acknowledge you. But um, otherwise, you weren't really a prevalent factor in the story. No. Yet, yet, um, but the point I'm trying to make is that while I think what you're trying to go for is it does play a big role in some people, like they like playing that inserting yourself into like the fantasy kind of thing personally yeah. i like it better if i'm actually taking control of like an existing like persona like i liked it better when i was playing with as elliewood or er- um, erica in sacred stones yeah. rather than playing some kind of window dressing person in like the original fire emblem like they're talking the to me I... but at the same time it kind of feels weird like why are you talking to me like <laughs> yeah well he- here's the thing i'd ask you who do you consider the main character of awakening Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Um, I, I mean, my playthrough was Crom and Lucina, but yeah. Ah, oh, that's that's a good question. Is is this a trap? 
Are you trying to trap me in this? <laughs> well, I'll just say this. In the uh, game, normally in Fire Emblem games, if your Lord characters, who are the main characters, die, it's game over yeah. immediately. So if you had Ellie would die, game over. If you had Hector die, game over. In Awakening, that was true, I believe, for Krom, Robin, the main character, yeah. and Lucina. In, only, in certain circumstances. Oh, Lucina can die normally? I think after she just... Everyone, like, unlocks the child heroes. I think she can die. Oh, that's matter. dark. Or, I thought she was... She might... Maybe she's not required. So maybe it is Krom and wrong, Robin. I think after a certain point, you can just let Lucina die. Who knows? Okay. But uh, essentially, like, those three are all, like, the main characters. But, like, they put a lot of importance on your character. Like, mm-hmm. your character gets a lot of the spotlight. So... Like, to Krom's credit, I think he's a decent character, but the story doesn't do a good job at fleshing out his character. Like, he's pretty one-note in the story. He's calm, but calm, the then so- it goes angry Krom, that's it. <laughs> well, it's yeah. two notes, but... And then in, like, the support conversations, you get a lot more out of him to make him more well-rounded and more likable. But in the the main story, he's, like, pretty basic, I am a shonen character, like, here to save the day, because I am good. He also feels like he's only there to set up Lucina as a per character. Like, without yeah. him, Lucina doesn't exist. <laughs> and he's there to tell everyone how good Robin is at doing stuff. Oh, yeah. We wouldn't be here without you, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> I am the commander, but you did more work, random stranger I found in the woods who suspiciously looks like the evil dude. You wear the same clothing? everyone's wearing white but you're wearing dark hmm suspicious you're wearing black and purple that's weird <laughs> to be but honest uh, yeah like I'll, yeah i played robin i just did the default like appearances yeah. and yeah i generally like to do that i've done a couple playthroughs like trying to make my own character but they always look weird it just feels like it's breaking then, the fourth wall when they keep mentioning your yeah. name i didn't like that because then fates the next game took this and like amplified it by a thousand they made it so everyone could marry anyone your main character could go after anybody even siblings by blood incest and azura who's your cousin oh she's your cousin yep she's technically speaking the only character you're related to by blood because of incredibly forced story things You see, Andy, your character's mother in that game didn't actually produce any of the other royalty. She just married into fucking royalty. Oh, three okay. times. Okay. Wait, three, three times. times. <laughs> she went across. And that's how you hoe it up, kids. <laughs> yeah, just just went to different nations. That's not. It might be only twice, but still. But still, Once everyone enough, refers to her as mother. <laughs> everyone loved their foster mother, like, unequivocally. It's hilarious. But, uh... Oh, they... like well, well, like, if you had, like, your stepmom... Like, you know, that's a difficult thing to get over. But all of them just freaking loved her. Uh, at least she was hot, I guess. Confusingly, yes. And, um... They look nothing alike. <laughs> Why do you have red hair, but I have black hair? Mm, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, Japanese but, uh, hereditary. hereditary with Corrin, they pushed this to the extreme because they made Corrin like the only main character. Mm. 
and you and that's the avatar unit and they catered the entire game around that casual experience around the idea of like phoenix mode where if your units die they just come back to life keep playing the game go through the story marry who you want marry our attractive cousins (laughs) marry your sister who keeps telling you that she's going to be your mommy camilla oh yeah she's got a mother complex (laughs) like sakura did that like fuck (laughs) Well, wow. Uh, but like the whole point being like they really zoomed in on this idea of you're the character, you're the hero, you player are the hero. All the girls like you. They're gonna let they're gonna let you rub their faces because you're so popular. You can go in the hot springs with them. You can go on the the, the beach episode with them. You can marry whoever you want. You can do whatever you want to do because you're the main character. And this whole war started because you're so cool and so important. Hmm. Why haven't I played this game already? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, I played all three paths. I wish I didn't in retrospect because the more I know of that game story the more I want to just not think about it but like Fates was such a divisive title in the series it was who did you marry in my original Japanese playthrough of the game where I didn't understand anything I married Hinoka who's the redhead sister the mage no the Pegasus Knight Right, the best girl. <laughs> I mean, playing the English version, I don't, I don't really know anymore. English ruins everything, but go on. Yeah, but like the the point being, like going through that game so many times, playing it technically like four times, the Japanese playthrough included, were on that Japanese 3DS that you got me from your time in Japan. That was a f- that was a fun hunting trip. Trying to find the cheapest 3DS I can find. The cheapest <laughs> Japanese 3DS on that tiny screen. Hey, it was worth it. Got you the... Uh, Still got it. Got you the enough impressions to make a review out of it, so I think it was worth it. That's true, that's true. It did, it did quite well, too. But overall, Fates was a really... It was such a sour point. It honestly, like, broke me. I was so upset with, like, what Fire Emblem was. Like, mm-hmm. with how... I think the word I'd use to describe Fates is that, like, you know, obviously there's good gameplay there. Fire Emblem at its core always has good gameplay. But the story and themes and the characters, it all just took such a turn to be very pandering. And not in, like, a good way. It was pandering to be, like, this wish fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Pandering to really get at those otaku types. To really get players to try to invest themselves as the character and into the relationships and appeal to those fans. And it kind of, to me, like it betrays like the, the themes and the spirit of Fire Emblem, which is like the tragedies of, yeah, to make money. Because <laughs> like, Fire Emblem, to me, the spirit of the game is about like the cruelties of war and mm-hmm. why it must be stopped and how like the bonds you form with those that you fight alongside are important. And even if they're dead, like it's still meaningful. Cause that's mm-hmm. like a big thing in the games. There's almost always major character deaths that in some cases can't be avoided because they're part of the story and they push the story along. I think, but I will, you know, uh, fates yeah. went completely <clears throat> away from that. I will also add to your point that I think awakening started this to a degree, but I think fates kind of it pushed did. this again 
that all the character age became significantly younger as the series kind of went on. Yeah, they definitely. That. I mean, Fire Emblem games generally star young protagonists. Like technically speaking, Roy in his game is fourteen. I mean, that kind of he makes sense in a narrative sense that he's just like taking over his kingdom from his dad, kind of thing, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's still weird that he's like this military genius at fourteen. But like, yeah. I get what you're saying because like Ellie Wood, I'm, I think he's meant to be like closer to, to like eighteen, nineteen. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in medieval times, that makes sense to go be the hero. But, like, in, in Fates and Awakening, like, you're literally fighting alongside children. Which is true of some of the older games as well, mm-hmm. to an extent. But I think, like, you're talking about... But you about... couldn't fuck those kids. Fates lets you do that. Ugh, YouTube's gonna <laughs> ban me. <laughs> First episode in, and we just got banned for saying all these taboo words, I guess. And taken out of context. You gotta be on Twitter famous. Congratulations. Um, hey, that's good pub- good p- uh, publicity. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> End up on Keemstar. Um, that's I associated think- with your name. You allowed it. What do you mean? I can't, I can't censor <laughs> you. <laughs> you could. You control the post. <sighs> Whatever. Um, But yeah, I think... I don't know when it happened, but maybe because we got voice acting... Like, the moment you hear that Onichan sound like in a Fire Emblem game, and we're like, it's supposed to be about the cruelty of war. Like, which side do you choose? Do you choose Japan or Europe? And you just hear, <laughs> see it is like, as you say, like kind of appealing to the anime crowd kind of bit, and like the stereotypes of it kind of like brings me out of like the sense. Yeah. Like deciding over like the whole thematic thing, like push for fates for me was you get to choose a side, and that determines like the storyline. Eventually, the decide you don't get to choose you will have to fight them and go through that kind of awkward dialogue oh we meet on the battlefield like we used to be family oh i'm gonna kill you now but that kind of seems like your hoshidan family they're like hey we knew you for like two chapters we love you yeah oh you you're going with that family that you grew up with well fuck (laughs) you we'll murder you and I only played fates up to a little bit i think but you can probably chime in on this but like does it actually play up to the promise of like oh choosing a side like leave these no. consequences okay no no <laughs> the, the game was marketed as like the like your choices matter mass effect and, style and that's something that fire emblem i think even with like from what i've heard of three houses it's still something the series still struggles with mm-hmm. it's very much like pick which game you bought mm. it's the illusion of choice it's like it, your choices don't ultimately matter things will happen either way oh, that sucks but like think yeah. with an, an awakening when Krom's sister is being held hostage and you have the choices there those don't matter it no. doesn't change anything she will die regardless it changes like <laughs> two lines of dialogue they could have done it in a way where it might change how like characters view you because they're like oh man that situation you did that but they didn't do that and it sounds like they're not particularly good at writing that way which is something maybe intelligent systems needs to work on or at least the writers they bring in, they need to work on that. Or they need to plan around that. But I think it's also kind of difficult to create a game where you need to write two different... like, As you say, you can just do the simple route where it just, like, it just changes like one or two dialogue trees. But if you do change something that creates a two different path, a.k.a. like two multiverses, and that like I really mean, creates a complex like scenario. Three houses kind of gets that a little bit with like how you know at the very least all three houses 
that the game is named after are in the base game. The you don't have to pay DLC. Name ever in a Fire Emblem game. I would honestly argue that th- from what I've seen, just like in previews and gameplay footage, I would argue that Three Houses has some of the worst naming schemes. Like Bailith, because your main character name is freaking awful. That's terrible. Bailith, Bailith, however you say it, it's just an awful main character name. You know, knights and swords got to play to the European theme. You know, Bailith is not. <laughs> That's freaking just made up gibberish. It's not even a real thing. We, I apologize to any Bayless out there in real life. <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry. I know. I, I apologize to you on behalf of your parents who failed you in every way. Jesus Christ, I'm gonna get banned. <laughs> <laughs> Why you do this to me? It's the first step. But uh, I I would I I would argue that Fate is like a dark part of mm-hmm. the history of the series. It, obviously, if you like it, I'm not saying I don't like you and don't think your opinion's valid, because there are good parts about those games, but I just think the story is completely betraying the spirit of everything Fire Emblem has tried to be and should be. Which is why I really, really liked Fire Emblem Echoes for the 3DS, which is a remake of Fire Emblem Gaiden. Now, do you want to jump to that right away, or do you want to I- talk about our favorite mobile game, or do you want to lead us to a, I don't know, maybe a second part of the podcast for ne- like a next episode? Yeah. I mean, all I really wanted to say about Echoes was that because it's a, a very faithful remake of a older game, Fire Emblem Gaiden, it is very much in the spirit of the series since it's from that era where they, the main series creator was still with the company. He left after, uh, I believe Fire Emblem 5, he left mm. the company. And he made a game called, um, like, uh, I think it was called, originally called, it's, it's called something else Emblem. And he got sued and had to change the name to oh. Tear Ring Saga. Yeah. You, that's the game? Yeah. Oh, that's the game he that. created. If you, It's for the PlayStation 1. It's only available in Japanese, but an English patch is available. And uh, it's an interesting part of history where it plays a lot like Fire Emblem. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. But Echoes, I thought, was, like, it, like, helped rectify my fears. Going, like, okay, like, they still can make, like, a Fire Emblem game that feels like a Fire Emblem game. Mm -hmm. It still has all the the classic stuff. I don't have my self-insert. There's a little bit of wiggle room with the support conversations, and there's like some stuff, but it's like it's like a classic Fire Emblem, and it just feels good. It doesn't look too anime. It's a bit toned back. Mm-hmm. It looks a bit more classical, and it really suited my taste. And a lot of people liked it, too. And then Three Houses, when it initially was shown off, and they're like, hey, you're like this frickin' mercenary military high school teacher who needs to spend a lot of time alone with his students or you or her because you can be a man or a woman and i saw all that like the social aspects and the dating Mm -hmm. and i saw the lines of dialogue about how like you know the bonds of friendship will clear the path and stuff like that and i just sat there just saying it's happening all over again i bet you it sounds better in japanese (laughs) <laughs> localization ruins everything <laughs> yes and no because at the same time seeing that subtitle makes me kind of facepalm anyway I think some of the dialogue that I saw from previews seem really funny like some characters literally call other characters an idiot or you're like dumb like just straight up they didn't like sure yeah. it. it's definitely from a localization standpoint the most self-aware Fire Emblem game in a long time 
I think that's kind of refreshing in a way too. Yeah, it is because like you, if you know, like I, I hope there's a support conversation where they point out to you, the teacher, like, hey, why are we child soldiers? The country <laughs> Just to be like the country's at war. We need more soldiers. Of, of course, we're going to go to our childs. Yeah, like, like, like why are you, why are you breeding us for war, sir? Uh, like that'd be a fun conversation. But apparently, like it's supposed to be pretty good. Like all the relative perception I've been seeing on it from like the Fire Emblem side of things and like the more general gaming demographic is that it's just really good. They mm-hmm. they found their balance, but I mean, <laughs> I I can't stomach right now. Another Japanese-style role-playing game where you're a chosen hero who goes to high school, gets a ragtag group of different friends from said school, and needs to go save the world. I I don't have it in me right now. Dude, Persona 5 Royal Edition is coming out soon. <laughs> I know. But Persona's... I'm tired of it in Persona. The next Persona game, like Persona 6, is still high school. I'm out. Welcome to they university. Need to the, they they need to move the fuck on. Middle school. Elementary school. was kids. cool because people were freaking adults and smoked cigarettes and had guns. Hey, you got a gun in Persona 5. You got a gun in Smash. It's a fake gun. <gasps> Blasphemy. <laughs> people had real ass guns in Persona 2. <laughs> you fought freaking Hitler in Persona 2. And real blood. Real blood. And, yeah. But, uh... Three Houses just, to me, it seems to be trying to be halfway between, like, the catering and pandering to that crowd Mm -hmm. and still trying to retain the Fire Emblem core audience of, like, here's this engaging gameplay. Like, here's these mechanics to change stats and affect the numbers behind the scenes. Like, there's stuff like that that appeals to the hardcore. And I can't say, I don't know if a lot of people can say right now, because, you know, this was very similar to Awakening situation, where it came out and everyone was over the moon for it. Then a couple months later, people started to really turn against it in, like, a, like a really nasty way. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a huge thing on, like, subreddits and Twitter where people were, were basically calling it out, going, like, you're not a Fire Emblem fan, you only like Awakening. Like, you're trash. I'm a Fire Emblem fan because I've played since, like, path of radiance or stuff like that and it got really bad it was like the shimigami tensei versus persona type of uh, thing okay i can see where that's coming from yeah where it's like this 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 feeling of you're not a real fan you only like the thing that panders to you you don't like the thing that's like hardcore like cool i always wonder why people are like that i guess the only f- reason i can think of is that they kind of feel threatened that if the more casual perspective of like the newer edition of the game is more popular than what they grew up to like that they're going to well, lose that in future games that's why they want to preserve it yeah that's part of it and part of its validation too right like if you like this one part and you think it's fantastic like if i go like hey like i think the support system in fire emblem gba is like amazing and i love what it does with the characters and this is in the spirit of the game and the next game goes no it's about <laughs> dating and marrying and having children and appealing to this that's what this is about i i would be all upset but then i can look at the numbers and see like i'm wrong because it <laughs> sells i am wrong my opinion is not validated by like the, the by capitalism because people don't buy it. Okay. People buy people buy baby making. You can put that quote on the box. 
Why are you doing this to me? Because <laughs> I can. Just look. Just because nobody watches or listens to our thing, that that doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. This is how, this is how you catch on. <laughs> but but my core thing with three houses is it's just gotten to a point where I'm very apprehensive about the direction of fire emblem and Mm -hmm. that's really hard to say like it is the first fire emblem game at launch i have not purchased that has come out in north america well i will end this conversation because you know the game just came out we can't really say anything about three houses i mean i will say this like generally from my research and looking up reviews and just seeing what people and like the fire emblem community are saying a lot of the impressions are really positive. But having said for that... Now. For now. And having said that, like it still is appealing to that certain demographic. It's still pushing like the social, day-to-day, dating-esque elements. And it's not. it might not be within the spirit of what I and maybe some other hardcore Fire Emblem fans consider to be the spirit of the franchise. So... That Take I will everything with a grain of salt. End with this question for you. If I buy three houses for you for your birthday, will you stream it with me? That could be fun. It will be fun. You know what it house? Will be. Oh for fuck. Oh my god. There's only two there's only two answers that I would lean towards. The one with the chick? Edel <laughs> Edelgar Edgar. Edgelord 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 X girl I mean I, I I do like the look of her crew her or golden deer no no blue lions what are you a racist <laughs> no but I'm not by uh. but <laughs> that's a big thing people were pushing for for uh, the the deer the deer house oh boy but uh, I really want to know more about the blue lion side of things, just because you like seeing the time skip and what happens to like the main dude from that. It's like, what the fuck happened? Oh, freaking Arians got betrayed. That's what. <laughs> yeah, like it's like it's like you went through something. Like, that's. I would be curious just to see like what transformed you. So that would be a good like playthrough too or something. But well, you heard it here. We are totally streaming it when I bother to actually pay for this game. <laughs> <laughs> whenever i feel like and we're devoid of content maybe we'll do it who knows and actually figure like a dual mic setup at his house or my house who knows i mean it's possible we might do we have we might have something for the inputs no we need to get a mixer or we just share <laughs> we just share a mic or something could do that too i mean we'll, we'll figure something out but i think Darren's, Darren likes to play the games. I like to laugh at support conversations, so I think it's a good mix. Yep. And I can tell you who do like romance, and you can't say shit about it. <laughs> I, but I can tell you that you should totally leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. And let us know what you think, as it really helps out the podcast. It can help us take that feedback and make it better. Helps let other people know what you think. Otherwise... Be sure to check us out. Subscribe to stay tuned for more episodes of the Gaming Blues podcast. Andy, I give it back to you. Uh, you will find us on major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, which seems to be the most popular option. We're also available on Podbean and Stitcher. Well, not Stitcher because Stitcher doesn't like me. 
Um, mm. We're also on the YouTube, so subscribe to our channel. Is we will be posting. Hopefully, someone will be posting content there. I mean, hopefully, I got all my streaming setup ready. I ordered one more component that will make my console streaming a lot more easier. And I have a shit ton of backlog. And if you like seeing people struggle with games, I've I haven't beat Bloodborne yet. That'll be fun. That'll be a struggle. <laughs> That'll be fun. But as always, thank you for tuning in, watching, listening, wherever you're enjoying my our content. And we, thank you for Darren for joining me as always. Not always. Not always. <laughs> but it's the past two weeks. Of if show. he's not showing, I'll just do solo content because I like to ramble. And we will try to. I will try to upload this on a weekly basis. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, listeners, and we will see you next week. Bye.